0: Welcome to MPT Podcast. This is Pastor Tim Wilbanks. We pray that this Word of God will bless your life and ministry, and increase God's blessing upon you. It's going to be a little different today, okay? It's going to be a little different. I, I, I love, I love the art of preaching and I love the demonstrative part of preaching. I, I love it. But I just feel this so strongly upon my heart today and I, I wanna I wanna share it with you. I don't see a clock in here, so that means I've got wow. Psalms thirty seven verse number twenty three, if you have your Bibles. The steps of a good man are ordered, say ordered, ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way, though he fall. You got a problem with that? It's not a matter of if or by chance. The Lord just goes ahead and lets us know. The steps of a good man I have ordered. And I have even ordered his failures. He shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth it with his hand. And then the psalmist speaks to us from experience. How many of us know that experience is our best teacher? He said, I've been young, I'm not young anymore. Now I'm old But I've never seen the righteous forsaken Nor his seed begging bread Real quick, Second Chronicles One more, man, y'all are doing great Y'all are doing great Standing with me and, and, and hanging on Second Chronicles 12 and verse number 32 Good to see my buddy, Big Jim. Big Jim. He's a legend around here. Good to see him. I love him. I can tell you stories about him. First Chronicles 12, verse number 32. Okay, well, I'm flipping back here, but they got it. I love this church, man. And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their commandment. I wish I could get to the place in ministry in my local church where there would be people that would know what we ought to do. To do Not just the pastor But those that would know What we ought To do I'm going to preach a very transparent Message today It's a lot of my story But with the help of the Lord I'd like to preach to you ordered, Ordered Let's pray Lord We love you And we thank you Lord for what you've done to this point Oh, God, you're here in a strong way, God, to help us, to encourage us. I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts. We're better off for coming and hearing your word than we were for staying at home. In your wonderful, precious name, amen. If you're going to preach with me, you can be seated. God bless you. But if you're not, just stand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The description of David's mighty men, you know, when you read about them and all their great accomplishments, it's amazing. But here, Ziklag had been destroyed, and David was rallying his band of warriors, and mentioned are the sons of Issachar. And the Bible tells us that they had an understanding of the times. They knew what God was going to do by bringing David to the kingdom as the anointed king. Even though that didn't look obvious, his steps had been ordered of the Lord. And his destiny would be fulfilled. In, is, in Hebrew, Issachar means man of Reward. Issachar was Jacob's ninth son. Issachar's mother was Leah. And after Leah gave birth to her fourth son, Judah, Leah stopped having children and was presumed to be barren. And her oldest son, Reuben, came across some mandrakes in the field. Song of Solomon, the seventh chapter in verse number 13 would tell us that Mandrakes sent out their fragrance, and at our door is a delicacy, and they're short-stemmed flowery plants that have large roots, and it was determined that mandrake roots were a fertility drug. And Reuben brought these mandrakes to his mother if you remember the story, Rachel and Leah began to argue over the mandrakes. And Leah finally agreed to give some of the mandrakes to Rachel as payment for, her allow, for allowing her to sleep with Jacob one more time. Everybody with me? That night, Leah became pregnant with her fifth son, Jacob's ninth, which was Issachar, or man of hire. Leah had hired Jacob for a night, and Issachar was destined to a life of manual labor. Before Jacob's sons left uh, to form their own tribes, Jacob bestowed a prophetic blessing upon each of them. This blessing defined their characteristics and fortunes of each of the sons to come. And Jacob's blessing to Issachar. Issachar is a strong donkey lying down between two burdens. You can read this. He saw that the rest was good and that the land was pleasant. And he bowed his shoulder to bear a burden and became a band of slaves. A donkey is a beast of burden. And the land given to Issachar was some of the most fruitful among Israel. I want to just tell you today that promise comes with great sacrifice. And that you can have prophetic promise and never have a work ethic that would bring you into your God destiny. It's not God's fault, and it's not the prophetic word spoken over you was a lie. But from the moment the prophetic comes into your life, there is responsibility on your part to step into your promise. I wish somebody would help me. I said, I wish somebody would help me. It's easy to hear the promise. It's easy to gloat in what God told you. But if you receive it, it's because when it doesn't look like it's gonna happen, you're still holding on and you're still working and you're still committed. Oh my goodness. You're still committed to the things of God. Oh uh, yeah. When, when it looks like the storms of life have overwhelmed the promise, you still push through the storms. You still work because Because you're holding on to God God, God's a God of patterns I was sitting In my office Doing some study And uh, He began to he began to recall some things to me. I, I, I did not remember all of this. But God is a God, and, and I'm saying this, I'm, I'm repeating this because if you didn't hear me, I want you to hear me. He's a God of patterns and design. Yes, he is. Yep. Yep. And I'm preaching to you today, ordered. Your steps are ordered. You thought you took that right. God took that right. You thought you ended up in that pit from something you did. God put you in that pit because the God that's almighty is also sovereign. And he don't see you in the pit. He sees the benefit of the pit in your life. He took you to the pit. The devil will tell you it was the sin in your life. God took you into the pit. God put you there. The devil would tell you that you went to jail on your own. God, in his sovereignty, took you there because from the time you breathed your first breath, God became the God of order. And if you ever get established order in your life, if you ever realize that God is directing your steps, that God is ordering, He is assigning your doctor's appointments, He is assigning your heartbreak, He is assigning the things that are gut wrenching. I said I wasn't going to preach, but I feel my help. I think I'll just go ahead and preach. If you ever understand that God is trying to order your steps and establish you. You did not get here on your own. You might have came to the house of God today on your own, but it was divinely appointed by God for you to be here. About three years ago, I was preaching on a Wednesday night. I noticed there was a lady that come in the church and she walked in and she sat down and she just minded her own business. Never seen, never seen her before. She, she was worshiping the Lord. And I went down there and prayed with her. And almost instantly, and I try not to do this, I try not to do, I want people to come in and enjoy the presence of God. And man, I don't want my folks jumping on first time guests. You know, I mean, I try to, I try to just leave them alone. Let them, let them enjoy the presence of God. They're already there to see something. They think you're crazy anyway. And they want to be able to see the crazy without any predetermined ideas. And you coming back there and spitting in their faces? just leave them alone. Let them enjoy crazy. So I went back there and prayed with her. When I did, she just broke, started crying. Just crying, just having herself a time. And I turned to walk off. Well, okay. And as I was walking down the aisle, the Lord said, I want to fill her with the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. And I turned around and I said, sis, can you come out in the aisle here? And she come out in the aisle and I said, do you have the Holy Ghost? She said, no. And I said, do you want the Holy Ghost? And she said, That's why I'm here. She didn't just come, God ordered her for a divine appointment. And I'm afraid if we're not careful that we can become so carnal and so wrapped up in our life and so distracted that we could hinder somebody from their divine appointment. Hear me, as the church, we got a responsibility that people get to be able to find what they're looking for when they come to the house of God. nineteen seventy five. I got to thinking about my uncle passed away year or so back. I'm named after him. His name was Ron Linville, and I'm named after my uncle. And uh little short stubby guy, about this tall. He wasn't like me. He was ugly, but I was good looking. I mean but a lot of my attitudes From my uncle Very short fuse I don't want to ruin my testimony here But very short Sometimes Aggravated real real easy Used to love My wife didn't know what to think of my uncle My uncle My uncle would go into the living room And one thing we did have in common Was our love for a good cup of coffee And my uncle would be sitting in there And you'd just be talking And out of the blue he'd say Coffee! Now, Sherry Lynn, if I did that. So I joke around that now and do that from time to time. But in 1975, I was five years old. My dad was living a mess. My mom and dad were having problems. My dad was in the Navy. Spent all his time out to sea and gone. and My mom was entertaining men in our apartment. And uh, I remember. I remember the nights going to bed scared. Not knowing who this was in our house. I remember. I remember the night that my dad come home and there was a man sitting in his green velvet recliner. See, you don't know nothing about. This is the 70s. Green velvet recliner, and I remember when my dad asked him to get up, and the guy wouldn't get up. My dad said, "You don't have to. That's fine." He went to his he went to his drawer and got out a 38 and brought it back and cocked it under the guy's chin. Said, "How about now?" (laughs) And my dad was taken out in handcuffs and was taken to jail. I remember. In 1975, September of 1975, my dad loaded me up in a green Pontiac and drove me all the way from Virginia to Lafayette, Indiana. And there he dumped me out at my aunt and uncle's house, Ron Linville and Madonna Linville. And they would be my parents. For the next little while my aunt would be the mother that I never had and oh man I loved her so much one thing these crazy folks did was they went to church and I'd never been to church in my life in fact the only time I'd ever been to a church type service I didn't really count it church but we went to a mass on the naval base there in Virginia and I'm a little boy, and I'm jumping up and down on those wooden pews because they had wooden pews in that, in that little place, and it was making all kinds of noise, and the Catholic priest was trying to do his business. father was up there, whatever his name was, was doing his business, and he stopped, and he said, Are you going to take that boy out and whip him, or, or do I need to do it? That was my only experience. And then I go to an apostolic church here with my aunt and uncle. I'm five years old. Never been in organized church service in my life. And they take me. And I walk in the door. And I see a big, burly Puerto Rican preaching. With a boisterous voice. And I felt something that I'd never felt anywhere before. And it was God's love. And they embraced me and loved me. At five years old, I will never forget Daddy, I got baptized in Jesus' name. Uh September, 1975. I was sitting in my office, Tim, and Brother Will Banks, and the Lord said, September is important to you. And I was like, what in the world? 19... Oh, here, I'll show you let me let me just let me just show you oh wow baptismal certificate from september fourteenth nineteen seventy five yes, my ba- september's important nineteen seventy six september my dad would be home my dad would marry a young lady that would become my stepmom. My dad, since had received the Holy Ghost, had been baptized in Jesus' name, and married a church lady. Six years old now, we've got our little intact family that we've never had. And uh, September. And the Lord, I said, okay, well, I see all that, God. I, I understand that. He said, no, 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 no. I established a plan and I ordered some things long ago. 1977 in September, my dad moved to a little community called Rockville, Indiana. He moved to Rockville because he was going to be a prison guard there in... Rockville, and he was aspiring to be in law enforcement, and so this was just one step in the right direction. So he went down there in Rockville in September, and we got a job there and lived there for a little bit. Met the Wyants, went to the Wyants Church. It wasn't as big as Lafayette, but the Wyants had a great church, and we got established in this thing called the Apostolic Faith. And then it was September. Of 1977 that my dad went to Fowler, Indiana, and my dad became a police officer for the city of Fowler, Indiana, it was September of that year. September has significance in my life. I'm not trying to bore you here, but but then I would grow up and aspire into ministry, and it would be in September. That I would make a commitment that God, if you want me to preach, I'll lay everything aside at 17 years old and I'll preach. 18 years old would roll around and then 19 years old would roll around. But in 18, when I was 18 in 1988, it would be in September that I would receive a phone call. Hey, Bubba, I'm getting married in Louisville, Kentucky and I want you to be in the wedding. It would bleed over into October, but it started in September. Patterns in order. Patterns. I was sitting in the office, and it hit me so strong, I picked up the phone. I said, Dad, I need to know, when did you get the Holy Ghost? My dad said it was in a little old just small church right off the base at Dam Neck in Norfolk, Virginia. And I said, Dad, please tell me, when was it? And he said it was in September. (laughs) (laughs) 1994. I went to Ethiopia with your pastor. 94, was it? Ninety, Yeah, 94. Went to Ethiopia with your pastor. We get back home. Now I'm a world-renowned evangelist. Doors are going to open up for me like never before. I'm going to be known all over. I'm going to share the miracles of Ethiopia everywhere I go and tell everybody. I'm not trying to bore you. Some of you are getting bored, man. Just hold on with me for a few minutes. Just hold on. And I know more got off the plane good. We landed in Memphis. You remember Brother Tim? Driving down the road with my wife, talking of all the miracles that took place in Ethiopia. And my phone rings. It was my Uncle Ron. And he said, I've accomplished everything here in Opelika that I can accomplish. I'm going to resign the church. And the Lord spoke to me and told me that you need to come pastor it. No can do, Bubba, I love you. But I am a world-renowned evangelist now. I'm going to be highly sought after. And it would be September. September. It would be September that I would go to Opelika. By the way, I met my wife, and we got married September 30th, 1989. September of 95, I go to Opelika to pastor. God did some incredible things. Five people voted us in. There were some that wasn't there because they didn't want me. (laughs) But the five that voted us in, I started telling them about what God was going to do and how we were going to have revival. It would be in the month of September. Oh, God. It would be in the month of September that God would lay it upon my heart to build a building. It would be seven years later, in September, that it would be built. Folks, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not making this stuff up. 2008, I started pursuing God wanting more. started going to the church there in Opelika and God laid it upon my heart. That he was closing the door in Opelika and was going to take me somewhere else. And it would be in September that I'd be voted in. September 16th, I would be voted into the church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Three years would go by there that was a living nightmare. Whew. And it would be in September. It would be in September 2011. That God would find me again. And would take me. To Macon, Georgia. Ordered. Patterns, specifics, not coincidental. It's God establishing His patterns. Moses was given the blueprint for the tabernacle, the tabernacle is symbolic of the gospel. And Noah was given the blueprint for the ark. What kind of wood and what kind of of blueprint that that thing would be. The Ten Commandments and the law given to Moses. All of that was about patterns. The walls of Jericho. The walls of Jericho would come down through obedience and through praise and through ordered steps. You can't do it your way, but if you'll do it my way, I'll bring you great victory. Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ. You want to know how to be saved? You follow the man of God as he follows God. It's ordered steps. And patterns. I submit to you that you're not here today because you just fell off in here and you have nothing else to do. You're here today because God saw through the thing that we call time. He saw through all of the stuff that we call life and said on this day in this moment you'll be positioned in my house and it will finally dawn on you that your life is not a mistake. That it it's just not happening. But I have put it all together and planned it from the very beginning. Oh, here you go. Patterns. Patterns. Prompting of the Spirit that takes hold specific times of our life. Oh my goodness. Come on, let's just stand to our feet. I'm, I, I, let's stand. I know it's early. Let's stand to our feet right here. God, why? God, why? Begin to look back at your life. God's ordered it from the beginning. Begin to look back. How did I end up here? Nobody in my family has ever served you and lived for you, God. Nobody knows this apostolic truth. I'm not a fifth generation Pentecostal. I just wandered in here one day off of a drunk. God picked me up and told me to go by that church. And I just walked in the door. But you realize looking back that God had a pattern and plan. Every step. That's why you can face news that would kill some. That would knock others out of the proverbial boat. But you can face it as a a child of God. And say, hey, the Lord gives. The Lord takes away. The Lord brings storms into my life. Sometimes there's peace. I go to the mountain. I go into the valley. But it's all part of me following God. Patterns. Patterns. And plans. Oh, my Lord. What would happen? What would happen in this church and in mine if people began to realize that God's not a God of accidents? It's intentional. It's intentional. It's intentional. God has placed you in the place you are on purpose. Come on. God, I did it. You're not that bright. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, Yeah, but you don't know. I drank myself there. No, you drank yourself there, but God got your attention there. And God woke you up there. Therefore, God was in control. You wasn't. Come on, it's not an accident. I don't care what the devil's tried to convince you. It's not an accident. God has ordered it. God has ordained it. God allowed it. God brought it into your life. Therefore, if you will rejoice in Him, if you will depend upon Him, if you'll continue to walk with... Somebody that's frustrated with the process needs to come down front here and let God encourage you and let God help you. God sees you. I said, God sees you. The most devastating trial of my life. I was in South Dakota and we were building, we had built our home or we had bought our home and we were doing some remodel in the basement of our home. We were enclosed in the basement and adding some rooms and a study for me down there and we were doing this. That's when the wheels come off this thing, man. That's when I faced rejection like never before. That's when just everything began to happen there that was negative. I'll never forget one of the lowest times of my life. A man that was doing a lot of work in my basement. He built me the beautiful gun cabinet you've ever seen in your life. This guy was like just a friend like none other. I'll never forget when this stuff started coming unraveled. He walked to my door and knocked on my door. And when I opened the door, he pushed me aside in my own house. Walked down in my basement. Got all his tools and all his stuff out. And walked out the door and never spoke a word to me. And I'd sit in that basement. I'd say, God, what's going on? Why? It's not the way I wrote it out, God. This is not the script. This is not how. This is supposed to work out, God. Why, Lord, why? It's okay to ask God why. But it's not okay to question God. It's okay to ask. But it's not okay. Jim, I was riding in my 2004 Chevrolet Tahoe I was on I-29 North Headed to Russell Parkway So I could get off at Russell Parkway And go to the airport You see, I had to go to work I was working two jobs Plus trying to pastor And I had to go to work And I had to be at work At 5 o'clock every morning And I was driving And the snow was blowing It was in the winter time in South Dakota And it was about 10 degrees, and the snow was blowing, and the road was blowing shut. And it just hit me. I became angry. I said, God, why have you forgotten me? Why? Where did I miss it, God? Where did I miss it? And I'm driving. And in an instant... Holy Ghost blew in that truck so much that I couldn't even drive I pulled over and I just lifted my hands and I, wept. and I cried and I talked in tongues and I'm telling you the Lord rejuvenated my spirit in that moment and it would be the following step God would bring me to my destiny. I don't know the pattern in Joseph's life, but I do know from the time his coat was sewn, and he until he became second in command of all of Egypt, he fought him. And woven through his entire life, in jail, out, falsely accused, accusations, woven through his whole life. Somebody hear me. Was ordered, appointed steps of God. Joseph, just slow down. I'm going to get you there, buddy. Joseph, can you spend 13 plus years in the prison for a lifetime of what I have for you? Oh, God. I found we hate processes. We hate processes. We want the degree now, we want the retirement now. We want the anointed ministry that moves mountains now. We want the prayer that we can pray and God hear and answer now. But we don't want the processes to bring it. The altar's open if you'd like to come. I'm done. I know this was different. How long are you going to fight? How long are you going to fight against God's process for your life? I submit to you, just because your parents didn't serve God in the way that you are, you can be something in the kingdom. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but you can be something in the kingdom. Just because it seems you're down more than you're up, you keep holding on, mama. You keep trusting God just because your kids are backslid and not serving God and you fight a vicious devil that would tell you you're a failure and can't even pastor your can't even pastor listen to me you don't know the battle that he fights and the devil would tell him you can't even pastor your own family how can you pastor a church tell me he hadn't said that tell me the coward devil hasn't said that yeah while you live your world, you don't know what he wrestles with in prayer and what he struggles with in prayer and the inadequacies that he feels. And some of you know your kids aren't serving God, and you're like, man, how can I be a leader in the church and how can I be used? steps God's plan God's timing and while we pray right here and you're in the midst of a struggle while we pray do you have the tenacity to square your shoulders and hold on I pray for resolve for these people God <laughs> you Pray today that this word has blessed you. Minister to the needs of your life. Until next time, God bless you.